for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing my sister, ICU doctor, professor, and all those other great things. She's from Little Africa, South Carolina. It's a weird name of a city, but it is a real name of a city. Dr. Ebony Hilton. She's going to talk about everything. The show is necessary right now. I've been fielding a lot of calls from friends on the left and right about vaccinations, about COVID, about is it real, is it not? We try to answer some of those questions. We probably don't answer them all. But whatever we don't answer, you know, just DM me. Um, leave a note under my IG or Twitter pages when we post many of the clips from this. But before we get to that, and we probably have to do a special episode this week about this uh, topic, but I wanted to talk about Afghanistan and the Biden administration's decision to withdraw from the country and the Taliban gaining control of Kabul and the country's major cities uh, now that the U.S. military forces are withdrawing. What you'll likely hear from some journalists and many of my friends is that this is a stain on the Biden White House and President Biden's legacy, and that his decision to withdraw was poorly conceived without much of a plan to counteract the Taliban and other terrorist forces reconstituting now that there is a diminished U.S. presence. The reality is that we have no good options left in Afghanistan other than a permanent occupation, more American lives lost, and trillions of American taxpayer dollars wasted. And even after over two decades in Afghanistan, the likelihood of the Taliban doing what they are doing now was always likely going to happen anyway. A civil war in Afghanistan is inevitable, and the lack of political courage from the Obama and Trump administration and Bush administration to admit the obvious and not withdraw is how we got here. I commend President Biden for making the difficult call, knowing full well that he'd be criticized for the decision and for also knowing full well that in the short term, the Taliban would be the de facto leadership in the country and likely further destabilize the region. The burden of fixing the region, however, is on the region and not on the American taxpayer. I'll close with a quote from President Biden that I think sums up the politics and the history of the U.S.'s withdrawal from Afghanistan and ultimately why President Biden's decision was the right one. Quote, I was the fourth president to preside over an American troop presence in Afghanistan, two Republicans and two Democrats. I would not and will not pass this war on to a fifth, end quote. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what leadership looks like. You make the difficult decision. You weather the short term political fallout, all while keeping your eyes downfield. That's what Biden did here. And while none of us like what's happening in Afghanistan right now, withdrawing after over 20 years of a U.S. military presence in the country is the best decision. And that's that on that. Now on to our show with Dr. Ebony Hilton. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So I want to welcome back to the Bakari Sellers podcast. I was thinking that we needed to have a uh, kind of recap, and this is going to be a more free-flowing interview than some of ours before, because although Afghanistan seems to be going up in smoke and in flames, and we'll have a special episode about that coming up, I actually want to talk about COVID and the Delta variant and what people know and what people don't know. And so I wanted to go back and dig in, and I had to bring back one of our guests who has been one of the best guests that we've had, Dr. Ebony Hilton, what's going on? Look, nothing. Same. I feel like since we last talked, nothing has really changed. Only gotten worse. So, well, let's talk. Let, let's actually start there because you are the first guest that has doubled back on our show, and you know, a part of it is because of where we are. And I don't, I don't mean to be insensitive or rude to you, but tell me, like, how far have we come in tackling COVID? And don't go on your ultra liberalism wokeism talking about we need to go back inside and all that other stuff. Tell me exactly where we are. I mean, it, where we are today is actually um, worse than we were a year ago today. Um, why? Because people aren't people are not going to believe that. They're going to say why. Right, and and the why is it because literally, our we are estimating within the next couple of weeks we're going to have at least two hundred thousand positive cases a day. By October first, we're going to be looking at four thousand people dying a day, um, and we didn't hit those numbers until the winter times last year, November, December of last year. And I think that the thing that really makes me want to tell people is different this time, and not to say that that older persons should have been sacrificial lambs at any point, but the people that were dying in twenty twenty were older people. They were the sixty five and older group. They were the people who have already experienced life. What we're seeing now, the persons in the hospital are 65 and, and, and younger. I mean, we're burying 18, 20-year-olds now from COVID-19. Um, so but when people hear you talk, tell, tell folks, because I, I know that when I text you, I literally have to ask, like, are you in the hospital tonight? Like, are you in the ICU? What, what do you do? Because do you get your degree from Twitter? I mean, what do you... <laughs> I mean, it's honestly right now, I feel like like last week I was covering the ICU um, night shift. So my night shift, I start at 3 p.m. I get off at 5 a.m. And it's like when you're in the situation of you see people dying from um, from diseases. So in my ICU, we literally get the persons who they've gone through the quote unquote acute phase of COVID. And now they're in the long-term consequences of what COVID looks how, like. What, how, what, what does that mean? How do you, what, how do you go from one? And sorry for peppering you with questions, but right. what I realize is that like in my comments, I have people who ask these questions. So right. I wanted to have a show where we can answer them. Right. So the acute phase of COVID is what we say. You got infected. You met someone on Monday. You started having symptoms on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We say that you are potentially still contagious. You're able to infect someone else for upwards of 10 to 14 days, right? And then after that, you're no longer contagious. You can't infect someone else, but 
the way the virus works is that it causes an overwhelming inflammatory response in your in your body. And what is an inflammatory response? It's just like when you slam a, your um, thumb in a door. The door may only hit in one spot of the thumb, but the entire thumb gets hot and swollen. The, yeah, the, radi- the radiating pain, et cetera, right? Exactly. That's because it's an inflammatory response. It's a your body is stressed out. And so after that two weeks, you no longer can infect someone else, but your body is literally running a full marathon, um, trying to fight off the consequences of what this virus has done. And so the people in my ICU are literally waiting for lung transplants. Um, they are on heart, heart and lung machine. We call it ECMO, um, which is a heart lung machine. So we know people are very, I think they're aware of what dialysis machines are. If someone's kidneys don't work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Well, with they with people with COVID who have an, a severe infection and their lungs no longer work or their heart no longer works, we literally take your blood out, put it through a machine. Oh, I've um, seen those. The two, the two, it's like two things on the side, and it kind of runs your. It, it's your like your heart or your right. cardiovascular system for you, right? Right, and it pumps your your blood through a uh, machine that provides oxygen and then puts it back into your body. Now there's clearly risk associated with doing that. And because it takes so many people to keep that machine running properly and checking on you and making sure things are are well, we only have like in our hospital, we only have six, six total heart lung machines. And the people that end up on a heart lung machine, they are already on a ventilator and the ventilator, they still, despite the, all the settings that we can put on a ventilator, they still can't oxygenate their blood. So these are the sickest of the sickest people. Um, and so when they get to my ICU, they're either on that heart lung machine and the ventilator, or they're waiting for a lung transplant, or they're waiting for a heart transplant. Um, yeah. Well, how do you and, prioritize? Because I mean, you got people coming in with COVID, but that's right. That's, that's only a small, I mean, you got other people coming in the ICU, right? Right. Um, and unfortunately, it's one of those things. Before is it like even, is it like that legendary uh what is it house what was it house party heads we beat them up tails we beat them up I mean right, what is no right but it, <laughs> and it's not exactly like that um what we do know is that even before COVID because we only have a certain number of those machines there are certain criteria you have to meet if you're really really old if you're really really sick if you if you have a terminal illness um if you're morbidly obese there's check boxes that you can't we we won't place you on that machine because of the risk of having more harm to you than good. I want to talk about obesity because um, Joe Rogan, who I don't like, uh, I can't stand Joe Rogan, but oh, he, okay. he, uh, he actually says things like, um, you know, he questions why he can't say the word nigger, like with the ER, the hard ER, not understanding the violent past. Of it, but, recently, but recently, but recently on his show, he said, he was going down this this path of, you know, we need to make sure people are telling us to take the vaccine and wear masks, but nobody's telling us to get healthier. The reason I brought that up is because you just brought up this issue of morbid obesity. I think his stat was 70 some odd percent. It might be 80 percent of individuals who are dying from COVID are morbidly obese. Talk about some of these things that you hear out there about obesity, the tide of COVID being unhealthy. Um, you know, the, uh, mortality, all of these things and how they tie in together. Okay. Um, first of all, tell ask Seth Rogen. When was the last time to he Joe had Rogan, not Joe Rogan, Seth. Seth, Seth is Seth, Seth is like actually it. a friend of Seth the show. I like, you, yeah, <laughs> I like Seth. Okay, I like, I like Seth. Seth too. Seth is funny. <laughs> Sorry, Seth. I mean, it's been a long week. Wrong, but wrong, no, Rogan. Joe, 
Tell Joe, when was the last time he ever heard anyone not advocate for healthy lifestyles? I mean, Michelle Obama, you know, the first lady always and forever, literally had her whole platform on healthy eating for children. And they laughed so, at her. And they laughed at her. Right. So so let's let's stop with that whole notion of, oh, why don't you guys try natural remedies? As if we don't always tell people to eat healthy fruits and vegetables, to exercise, to not smoke, to not drink. We say that ad nauseum. So I'm tired of that argument. But the second thing is I would, I would tell Seth Rogen, Joe, Joe, Rogen, Joe Rogen. Rogen, sorry, I keep playing <laughs> around, but Joe Rogan is, um, then explain to me about the children right now. Exactly. So that's where I was going, but go, keep going, keep going. It's blo- I mean, it's, it's because the argument on that side, they, they bring up just ridiculous statements with no, having not stepped foot in a, in a hospital, not once in this entire pandemic. If you have not laid hands on a person with COVID, if you have not had to help someone breathe, then I don't need you to make definitive statements at all because you don't know, right? And we are seeing children right now and 500 children plus we've lost now to COVID and they've been as young as week old babies, right? And when we're looking at Texas and Florida and Arkansas and Alabama and Tennessee now saying that our pediatric ICU beds are completely filled, we don't have any more room. Then South Ro- our Joe Rogan. Joe. Joe. I'm just going to call him Joe because the Rogan part is throwing me off. We know which one is the most important one, Seth. You are. Um, but no, but when we're when we're talking about children filling up the pediatric ICUs, we need to stop playing these stupid games of talking about what well, this is all we need to do. If someone can lose 150 pounds overnight, then Joe, let me know how. OK, we are talking about acute, acute issues and then long term things that we can work on. And again, there has been a major push. For the last, I've been alive now for 39 years of talking about. Oh, you about you know, to be 40. Listen, okay. And somebody look me up. March 1st, 82. <laughs> um, but no, but but honestly, it's one of those things we we preach that. And so whenever I hear that same rhetoric of why are you guys talking about vitamin D? What do you want to talk about? Vitamin? What do you want to talk about? Like, honestly, if we if that was the the solution, if we could we say just put hey, everybody in the sun, right, just get everybody vitamin D. Pills everybody in the sun. I guess that's why Florida right now, as sunny as it is, is not the hot spot of the entire United States. where literally one in every four new cases are coming out of Florida. And I'm sure they have plenty of vitamin D. But let we, I mean, we're talking about children. And so let's, let's kind of merge this conversation into vaccines. I want to talk about vaccines. And then I want to talk about Clay Travis. And I think that's his name, Clay Travis and, and Mask. But, you know, I, I always tell folk that I don't really care. And this may be my South Carolina um, kind of Republican light streak. But I don't really care personally if you get a vaccine for yourself. I want you to get a vaccine for everybody else around you, because what we know are that children under 12 can't get vaccine. So talk about this selflessness or this for individuals out there. If you had somebody who you love and adore, which I have a lot of them who Mm -hmm. don't want to get vaccinated. What do you tell them about that selfless aspect of children who can't protect themselves? I'm not I'm going to leave out Sadie because I don't want to get emotional with my daughter, but everyone else. I mean, honestly, I I bring in the Sadie. I bring in my niece. I have a a six year old niece right now who cannot get vaccinated. It's one of those things where we're looking at even parents choosing not to vaccinate their children. Because right now in the United States, only what, 12% of children under 18 are fully vaccinated. Um, And we're starting schools 
Some schools have already started. And to see, again, that the pediatric ICUs in these states where Florida, South Carolina, and, um, and Texas, and a number of different other states have literally said, we are banning masks, and that the schools have to now fight against the governor to say, this is how we want to protect our children. It's unbelievable to me um, because I say again, there's more consequences even than death with COVID. What we have seen is that there are 10 to 30% of all persons that are getting infected are coming down what we call long COVID. And long COVID is where, again, that inflammatory response, when you slam that, that thumb in the door, the door only hits in one spot, but the entire thumb gets hot and swollen. Whenever COVID in, enters your system, yes, it gets into your airway, but the entire body says what just happened and goes through a state of shock. And what we're seeing is that persons are having, people are having symptoms that are related to their brain, right? So for mm-hmm. people who say, oh, I can't take, I lost my taste and smell. That means it infected your brain. And we're seeing now where we're doing autopsies on persons and their brain structure looks like someone who had Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. What does it do to a little seven-year-old when you cause that inflammation of their brain, what will they look like when they're 20, 30 years old? Will they be like a 60, 70-year-old person walking around and can't remember where they parked their car because they have early onset Alzheimer's disease? Is this really something that we want to play around with? Honestly, I don't get it. And if our well, children- people, people be- want to say people want to say they don't want to get the vaccine. And, and this, is, this is what I hear from brilliant, beautiful, smart people all right. the time. They say, well, mRNA is new, and this is new, and they didn't test it on anybody. And then my response, I'm not deep enough. Like, look, I was I was uh, pre-med for, bio pre-med for majors, chem pre-med for majors, until I realized that it had math in it. So, like, I know mRNA been around for a while, but I can't explain it. So, like, explain wow. why this isn't a new thing. It, for one, mRNA vaccines in themselves is not new, literally for decades. And they've been using this targeted technology for cancer cells. And I'll give you an example of why, why cancer cells. Well, if you, ladies, for instance, and this is for melanomas they were using for, but I'm going to use breast cancer because it's easier for people to conceptualize. If a woman has a breast lump, a breast cancer, and that cancer looks different than the rest of her normal breast, if we can train her immune system to say, hey, attack that little protein that's on that breast cancer and her not having to have chemotherapy that literally causes all of her cells to die, which is why women under chemotherapy lose their hair because the hair cells multiply so quickly. Um, If we can say, no, here's this mRNA vaccine. We want to train your body to look for that cancer cell. Then we can keep women alive and not have their entire bodies destroyed by this cancer treatment, if that makes sense. And so, so again, we've used mRNA vaccines for different types of cancers. That way back in 2003 was when it was starting to get developed. So people using this as an excuse are people who literally have never been in science. They don't know the scientific process and they're regurgitating the same information they found on Facebook. But what I ask everyone is this, we are saying to will- willingly voluntarily expose ourselves and expose our kids to COVID because look, most people live and survive. Would you do the same thing for HIV? For well, oh, I was going, I was going to get it. I was going to get into that right. um, before, before we, before we get to, to that point, um, right. the testing of the vaccine is also a question I get all the time. 
So people are always like, well, why would I do something that hasn't been tested? And then I try to go down the path and explain, like, you know, it has been tested. Like, we, that's why we have clinical trials, et cetera. And that's why. So talk about the testing that goes into the vaccine. Right. And and, and here again, the difference, this pandemic and, and the vaccine rollout, it was made political by President Trump. And I can't believe I said his name, but it was made political by him because he needed it to be political in order for him to win the election. Right. And so he said, I created these vaccines and I'm going to call this warp speed to make it seem like I did everything really, really fast. And he did that so he can get the votes. But the truth of the matter is the reason why it was warp speed was because typically when you have a, a new drug being developed, right, our new intervention being developed, you go through the clinical trials. You prove that they're safe, and then you have to go and raise funds, raise money to make millions of this drug chemical available for everyone else. Well, because COVID was literally killing thousands of people a day, that's just in the United States, not only globally, right? Because that was happening, all of the the countries globally said, we need to get a, a drug, an intervention, now, we can't wait five, five years down the road. So what we're going to do is, hey, pharmaceutical companies, we, we need all your scientists from across the globe to create a vaccine, to test that vaccine. And while you're testing it, we're going to dump money into the system to say, go ahead and start producing it. So that if on day zero, if you prove that these, these, these vaccines actually work, then mm-hmm. we already have millions of copies that we can roll out and not have to delay production, right? Um, that's the difference in how it traditionally is, is rolled out and how it's rolled out this time. Is But every single safety and efficacy step was followed, which is why when there was, um, we had several pauses, right? We remember the Johnson & Johnson pause, the AstraZeneca pause to say, hey, let's review and see, are these things related to the vaccine? Let's look at the safety profile of, of of what's the rarity, because we know that there's risk factors for every single thing. Literally, if you have too much oxygen given to you, you can get oxygen toxicity. If you drink too much water, you can get water toxicity. There are side effects for every single thing that we put into our bodies, right? So yeah, so with the vaccine, it went through that safety profile. We looked to see if there were side effects, see how, how common it is, how rare. And for some vaccines, because they were far more than what we're talking about now, the ones that didn't make the cut for safety, guess what? You don't hear about them. They weren't safe. They're done. But these that we put out here on the market, they are literally saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, because if we did not have vaccines right now in the United States of America with Delta variant, we will be talking about, <laughs> I mean, literally an apocalypse. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to get to we're going to get to Delta, and I still have to talk about Clay, but I want to go back to uh, these vaccines and vaccinations real quick. In the effects they have, I've heard a lot of rumors about the effects they have on women and pregnant women in particular. Is that anything that's true? No, and, and literally, so people have to realize in the clinical trials, yes, they they ask women, they ask for women who are not pregnant, but guess what? Life happens, and a lot of babies were born in COVID including for people who were in the clinical trials. I have no idea so, what you're talking about. I don't even know how babies are made, but right. I don't know. This, how is, many a you whole, got? Okay. this is a wholesome a, show. This is a wholesome show. a little show. tribe, a little tribe going up. <laughs> well, no. They, they, no more being made. This, we're going to be tribe less in the future. Okay. Okay. Y'all ask him this in three years. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but but it's true. Like, um, so there were women who became pregnant during the clinical trials, and guess what? They delivered their babies just completely natural and normally, like everyone else. And on the grand scheme of things, there was a um, a release by the CDC of where they looked at pregnant women in totality to see what are the risk of miscarriages, what are the risk of um, preterm labor for those who are vaccinated now versus historical numbers before COVID. Let's look and see what those look like. And there was no difference in that in those um, two groups. And so the another benefit, if you look at what's happening right now in Florida and what's happening in D.C., unfortunately, there are pregnant women who, have, who were not vaccinated because they've heard all these rumors about infertility, um, but are literally now. That's being not pregnant. true. That's not true. I don't have kids yet. I want children. Would I would I if I knew of studies that said there was any linkage to infertility, would I vaccinate myself? No, I would not. But there are women, unfortunately, because what people have to realize is that pregnancy itself is an immune compromised state. When a woman is pregnant, her body is taken over by this beautiful baby, but it causes your heart to work differently. That's why we know we have women who end up with heart failure after their baby. Right. We see preeclampsia where people um, have swollen legs because of the, the and their blood pressure goes really high because of the way the baby um, and the placenta interacts with the mom. Well, it also compromises your immune system. And so pregnancy is considered one of those high risk persons. And what we're seeing is that pregnant women getting infected with COVID are literally coming into the hospital now, delivering their babies and dying from COVID. And it doesn't have to be you. When you get vaccinated, there's a couple different benefits. One is that, again, it, it reduces your risk of having that severe form of COVID that can cost your life. But also, moms, the, your body is amazing that when you produce antibodies, guess what? Those antibodies can go to your baby. And so your baby can literally be born protected from COVID on day one. And we know how important that is for newborns because their immune system isn't strong. Right. So, but you know, what about people who say, oh, I've, I've got, I've had COVID. I've had one good friend of mine who's had COVID three times. I don't need to get vaccinated because I. Then, then that person, especially the person who can tell you I've been, I've had COVID three times, then that means your immune system didn't work. Because how do you keep getting the same thing over and over again? Right. So, so for them to use the excuse of, oh, I already had it a few times then that means you don't have a defense mechanism. And this, that when we get into the variants, the mutant. Um, so what, what, what put the pushback on that? I mean, do they have the antibodies or not? Because that's what people say. Well, clearly, if they're getting the same virus over and over again, if, they're, if, if he's getting infected with the same type of COVID-19 and he's getting infected and having symptoms over and over again, then no. Now, which one is this one? Is this Sadie? This is Sadie. Say hey. What? Hi, beautiful. Are you having a fantastic day? She is. Her mommy's mad because her hair's not done, but her hair we're just is talking done. about we're talking about COVID. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So we're back to antibodies. So people want to know about antibodies. So that's right. So so the thing is, is that the antibody um retention in the body varies as greatly as the symptoms do. You hear people say, I got infected with COVID. Oh, so wait a minute. You, you don't have no antibodies for six months off top? No. No, not everyone. Again, it's just like some people get infected with COVID, they have no symptoms at all. Some people get infected with COVID, they have a headache and a, and a little fever. Some people get infected with COVID, they get a cough. Some get diarrhea. Some get um, the chest pain and, and the 
the cough that, and the shortness of breath that lands them in the hospital, right? And some people die. Just like you have that wide spectrum of symptoms, you also have a wide spectrum of people who have no antibodies at all versus someone who has antibodies that last them about three months, three or four months. And you don't know which person you are in that in, that in between. And so for that person that says, oh, I've been infected three times, that means that you didn't have enough antibodies in your circulation to fight the virus off the second time. And you also didn't have enough uh, uh, antibodies in your circulation to fight it off the third time. So you need to be the very first person in line to get a vaccine to help boost your immune system. That makes sense. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So let's talk about a mask real quick because I was in this uh, back and forth. I mean, usually when I'm in Twitter debates, I'm usually like at the grocery store. People people think that you're like focused on Twitter, trying to figure out what somebody's going to say next. And you respond like 30 minutes later. But uh, Clay is Clay is somebody who just kind of, you know, doesn't, um, you know, he's in it. He's a professional like antagonist or troll and has a following or whatever. Okay. Um, and he said that masks are cosmetic. Um, yeah. And that they don't do anything to help. He also said that. um as I've said now on radio and TV for months, I had COVID and still have COVID antibodies based on blood tests. So I'm not getting the vaccine, but people over 65 should definitely get the vaccine. So what a lot of my friends on the right try to do is say, oh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. People over 65 should get it, which I, I don't think follows science. But talk about this mask and why people should be masked up right now. If, if people didn't think masks serve a purpose, then why do they think we wear masks in surgeries? The, my big thing is then when I go to work, this is all pre-COVID, um, why do we wear masks during operations if they don't serve a purpose? With viruses, what we know is that the viral particle is small as individual viruses, but it's just like the way I like to describe it is if you were in the wintertime when you were a kid and you would breathe out on a cold uh, window, 
and you can see the fog and the mist, right? And you can see there were some large droplets. If you come into contact with someone who has COVID-19, those large droplets, when they're talking, you know, people, some people got a wet talk. When oh they my God, those are the worst. Those are the worst. I cannot stand it. Are people who invade your personal space. When those droplets, those large droplets hit you, they literally contain millions of copies of this virus in one drop. And if you have on a mask that can block that big ball of spit from getting right into your mouth. What's the difference between the aerosols and the direct droplets and all of that stuff? Right. So it, it's it's literally fine part. It's, it's droplet size, right? How they get kind of mandate are, are described, right? You, you have the foam ice, you have the aerosolization, the fine mist versus the big drops that you can see. Gotcha. Um, can, can either one of them, if they get into your nares, in your nares, that's your nose, if they get inside your nose where those ACE inhibitors, those receptors, uh, ACE inhibitors, those ACE receptors live, can either one of them infect you? Yes, which is why we say when you wear a mask, cover your nose. Um, but it really is that physical barrier that you won't get that huge viral load at one time. And if they did not work, again, then what are we doing in the hospital? We've been using masks as our primary defense from the beginning of the pandemic to December. I was the first person to vaccinate at UVA December 15th. We had nothing else to use but masks. So December 15th, though, based upon, I think you lose about 6% of protection a month. I mean, you oh, should be in, in oh, line I for know. Like a booster which is or something. Why, which is why I sit here and want to shake people when I see people come and they, they have all this anti-vax rhetoric and I don't need this. But when they get sick and they come into the hospital, you are putting my life at risk. Right. And we are people, too. We want to go home to our families, too. Like I said, I haven't had kids. Guess who want kids? Me. I want to live long enough to do that. And so to have the Joe or the Clays of the world make these baseless statements and they don't risk their lives to come into the hospital to help save someone's life. I literally want to tell them to shut up. That's it. So talk about, before I let you go, talk about the Delta variant. What is it? What makes it more contagious and a harmful and more harmful than the original strains? Right. Um, so the Delta variant, what I'm, what I'm really nervous about is that we're going to get a mutant variant that, that makes the Delta variant look like. I mean, it's like a, it's like a HBCU. Y'all got Delta, Lambda, Sigma, Omega, Alpha. I mean, how many variants is there? Kappa. Let you go. Who else you want to talk about? Iota, Groove. Oh, so you ain't gonna mention the Omegas? I said Omega. Oh, I didn't hear you say Omega. Oh, you got a thing then, huh? No, I'm just Let's saying some, my brother. I, my brother-in-law's an Omega. He's I an Omega. just want to hear. I mean, I got friends. I, you know. <laughs> Let's get forward. So variants, <laughs> how they how they come across. So when we're looking at um, the way I describe it, it's like the telephone game. If I tell you A B C D mm. Q R S T. And you tell Sadie. Why the fuck would you skip A B E F G H I J? Okay, that's just a terrible. That's a terrible telephone game. But okay, I hear you. Okay, and if you because it has to be tricky. So if I say A B C D Q R S T, and then you tell Sadie A B C D Q R S T V, and then she says to her brother, right? If she says, "Well, it's A B L M N O P," right? The variant is like that because the virus, the virus only job is to replicate, to, to make its own babies. That's what, what it wants to do. And what it says is that if I infect me, 
and my immune system starts to figure out how to kill it, then I need to try to change myself slightly as I go to infect you, right? And so that slight little change is what causes this mutant variance is a mutation of the genetic process. The problem comes in is that if my vaccine, if the vaccines are, are told to recognize ABCDE, right? And the code that Sadie gave to her brother was ABLMNOP, it's changed just slightly that makes my vaccine weaker. You get what I'm saying? And what we're seeing with the, with the South African variant and what we're seeing with the Delta variant and with the Lambda variant that's um, out of Peru is that the combination of the genetic code of the virus has changed just slightly enough to outsmart our immune system. And that's why we're seeing even, even vaccinated persons getting infected. So the only way that we can hopefully keep our vaccines as strong as they are, as they currently are, keeping people alive, is to not have that telephone game get to the point of where instead of saying A, B, C, D, E, it's now saying one, two, three, right? And it's a completely different, and, and if that happens, which it has the full potential to do, then we are gonna have to start all the way back over and it's gonna be a very dangerous game. And the reason why we have the potential to do that is right now we've only vaccinated, we talk about the United States and we say, oh, we've gotten you know 70% of all adults have at least had one vaccine shot. Okay, let's take a step back and look at the globe. Because when we're talking about the Delta variant that came out of India, or was first isolated there at least, right? When we talk about the South African variant, um, when we talk about the Peru variant, the Brazilian variant, the UK variant, they didn't come out of the United States, although I'm certain we're gonna create our own variant if we ever do um, sequencing like we should. But we as a globe have only vaccinated 15% of the population. The entire continent of Africa, we're only looking at 1.8% of Africans vaccinated because the wealthiest countries bought up all the vaccines for themselves. And if you have 1.8% only vaccinated, then that means any coronavirus is playing telephone game left and right across the African continent. It's playing a telephone game left and right in the South African continent, in the Indian these these areas that don't have the resources that we take for granted, the Joes and the Clays take for granted because we have masks and we have vaccines, they don't. And we're going to have- So should we be wearing masks and should we be getting vaccinated? Should we be social distancing? And I hate to ask you this last question, but should we have another lockdown? I disagree with Ebony on this point, but whatever. It's one of those things of where we should, if, but- we won't. I, I, I feel like we won't. But if we look at New Zealand, New right? Zealand, they have one incident or two incident. Yeah, they're doing a Australia, fantastic. Uh, Australia, Australia, fantastic job. Why? What did they do? They vaccinated. They shut down. They masked up until their case counts went to zero. And whenever they even get one or two positives, guess what they do? They go back to saying we got to shut this down. And the, the, the benefit that they have is that they are isolated. Correct. They truly are. We have a lot of people and the, the self-centeredness of many Americans who feel like, oh, well, I don't want my freedoms to be taken away. So I just want to be able to travel wherever I want to travel and go wherever I want to go. That we're bringing this thing in and out of our country. So 
do we need to globally, we all need to fully commit to locking down for three, if we did that for three weeks, four weeks to truly lock down and stay that's in our That's a lot of money in the world. I mean, a, a lot. It, it's way more than enough money in the world. It's way more money in but the world. We have to, but we have to, you have to pay people at that point. And well, there's no what? appetite to do that. But guess what? This is what it's going to come down to. But you even have essential workers. So two questions. This brings me. So I have a friend of mine in Charleston. His cousin just died from COVID. Essential worker refused to get the vaccine. North Charleston, black person. How old? Young, mid like forties, fifties. So I what do you tell? You. What do you tell? What do you tell individuals who look like you and I from Little Africa or Denmark who don't want to get vaccinated? Yeah. What I tell them is that just like your friend at forty-six. What I tell them is that. By March, we have 40,000 new orphans because the age group of persons that are dying have children that are at home, like little Sadie, that's depending mm-hmm. on you to live. Um, what I would tell them is that that was that by March. By now, we have 120,000 children that have lost either one or both parents, kids younger than 18. And who is going to be there? to take care of them, especially with the black community. What we know is that one in every nine black children before COVID experienced foster care system in some way, one in every nine before COVID. So you multiply that by what we're seeing with COVID-19 and we're gonna have a generation of orphans that are left to fend for themselves. And then you add on to that, the fact that 4.2 million children at this point in the United States of America, 4.2, has experienced COVID. And again, what does it mean mm-hmm. when that body that's still developing has that huge of a hit and has that huge of an inflammatory response? Will you be seeing, you? will you be burying your own child when they're 20 and 30 years old because their body is, is has been aged to be resembling that of a 60, 70 year old? Their heart doesn't work in the same way anymore because they went through that inflammatory process. Their kidneys don't work in the same way. And is that something that you wanna look and see? Now, if you say, hey, I don't wanna vaccinate my kid, but all the adults around here, we all wanna vaccinate and we're gonna wear our masks and we're gonna keep our kid in this house and we're gonna do this. this. If you're gonna check all those other boxes, then we can have a discussion. But what I am telling you is that COVID will hit your house at some point or another. Oh, I know. It hits my, hit my last question. Can I go watch SEC football in an open-air stadium with 80,000 other people starting in a couple of weeks? I'm going to be drunk, uh, though. Does that help? You go, oh, Listen, you're you going to be drunk. I tell people all the time you can either be drunk out at a, a football stadium and end up being drunk on some chemicals that I had to chemically sedate you in my ICU to keep you on this ventilator. Mm, mm, mm. And you got to rem- what I'm telling people is, is the truth. When Texas says, when Texas says we have no pediatric ICU beds, then pregnant women, if you go into preterm labor and your baby needs to go to an ICU, your baby will die. Because we don't have a bed for them. If you're going to Mississippi, where they literally are creating hospital beds in garages, and how hot is Mississippi? Okay, but we don't have any space for you. You get sick and you will die. If you're in Florida right now, where literally one in every four COVID cases in the United States of America is coming out of Florida. If you get sick, there is nowhere for you to go. And 
if you think it'll be okay, try to hold your breath for five minutes. See how far you get. Right. Because when I'm looking at the people in my ICU, and I'm thinking about this one patient in particular who unfortunately ended up passing away about three weeks ago, half my age, right? Struggling with the ventilator, maxed out as far as we can max her out with. Struggling with the ECMO, the heart-lung machine, maxed out as much as I can get. And the way she was struggling to still try to breathe. There is no worse death. Give me a stroke, give me a heart attack, give me all that. To feel like I can't breathe, it's like someone holding you underwater. That's what those, their eyes are looking at you like that. No football game is worth it. And you're going to the SEC, you're looking at down south where the vaccine uptake is 30%, you're going to pick up and you're going to bring it. And the worst thing that you could ever do is if you are vaccinated, but your little babies aren't, and you bring that into your home, what kind of conscious, what would that feel like? But well, damn, I can't go to no games this year. No. All right, Ebony. Bye. No. Get off no, my show. I love you. Bye. And I love you too. And I love Thank and you. hug the babies. I will. Thank you for co- right. Thank you for joining. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Before I let you go, I want to talk about President Barack Obama's 60th birthday and people like Maureen Dowd taking issue with it. In case you missed it, the former president hosted a party for his 60th birthday in Martha's Vineyard. Now, some of the reporting about the party was because of who wasn't invited. And I read that Rahm Emanuel was one of the disinvited. And, well, shit. I don't want Rahm Emanuel anywhere near me. So, kudos. But the more problematic hot takes are from writers like Dowd, who take issue with former presidents who are private citizens minding their business and living their lives. The fact that the former president himself is a wealthy man with wealthy friends doing what wealthy people do still bothers some folks in ways that I don't think would bother them if any other president did it. But it's Obama, and Obama comes with unreasonable criticism about his proximity to celebrities and folks with money, though he obviously qualifies as both. Obama's enduring popularity and wealth rubs a lot of journalists like doubt the wrong way. And one would think that after the New York Times embarrassed themselves with Hillary's emails and helping to elect Trump, They'd actually be focused on reporting news, but nope, not quite. Get a life, Maureen Dowd, and happy birthday, Barack Obama. And that's that on that. We'll see you guys on Thursday.